Okay. That's is that a problem? Is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. It's too late now, isn't it? It's I can't really now. change my voice. Sorry, you need to go back yeah. and get born again. <laughs> 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 This is Layers, a conversation about building brands with more depth. There's too many brands in this world, too much fighting for the same space, too much same same. So how do we build a brand in a modern framework? We've got 13 ways and we're going to talk through those today. MC. Hey Dev. How's it going? Good man, how are you? Yeah, good, good. It's good. Let's start with innovating the product because that's got to be the first cab off the rank. Sure. Innovating the product's one of the most critical ways to to build a brand um now it's easier said than done yes and i would make the argument that you really need as a business founder or as a brand manager that you have to step away from your brand to really innovate and to do something that's unique in your marketplace but it's it is the way that you can differentiate and in the toolkit in your framework being able to innovate is probably the most important thing you can do yeah and why do you think you need to to step away is that because if you're too close to it you think you might be innovating when you're not really or yeah i mean i think you know we don't often use the the silence or the step away or the the unbusy work Mm -hmm. to, to really assess how we can make something better how we can improve it and we're just too close to things oftentimes so and and i think if you have that ability to step away from from what you've currently got to think about where you want it to be in the next five years and even if that technology is out of reach, even if it's not possible today, to dream it up today, to work towards it is is, is how you continually stay at the forefront of, of your brand and how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace. So it's a pretty, it's a noisy space, you know, in any market, in any sector, it's always, always a lot of noise there. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the biggest thing for me with innovation is always the idea of innovation that does make it better, like you were talking about there. So, I think that's an important thing when you're sort of considering, as you say, taking that time, how to how to evolve your product even as maybe a different word. I think innovation gets a lot of buzz, but it's often for innovation's sake, which, you know, may appeal to some consumers in some spaces, you know, yeah. they might get bowled over just because something is different. But, you know, I think the the longer term success is always going to come from something that's just better rather than innovative. Oh, for sure. And like we talk about depth and I mean, that is the premise of this podcast is how you build more depth into your brands. And as you say, it's got to have substance. Innovation has to have some level of substance behind it yeah. to, to make a meaningful difference. Otherwise, your customer's just going to interact with it. It might just have some bells and whistles, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really have any longevity to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're playing in the novelty space there, I think, if it's if it's just novel but not necessarily better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, number two, breaking up with tradition. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by this is that tradition is is steeped in any sector and in any industry and you traditionally do what's always been done. This kind of works a little bit hand-in-hand hand with innovation, yeah. and it, but it, there's a lot of traditional industries that are out there. And when you break up with a tradition, when you say, no, I'm not going to continue to run my business that way, I'm going to run it completely differently to how everybody else is doing it, that in itself is a great strategy for being able to differentiate your brand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen it 
I guess, both with ourselves and then a number of clients that we work with. I love it when you see someone, I guess, break down almost like every layer of what they do and try and think about how they can do it differently. And again, as we said with point one, like for the better of the consumer or, you know, the better of the business sometimes, but just that, I guess, methodical approach and just questioning, as you say, just because it's the way it's been done before, like, you know, throw all those assumptions out the window and just think about things, you know, from the, the betterment of the customer and the betterment of your brand, you know, how could we do every little interaction or every aspect of how we deliver a service? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's the thing is you when you have this convention of normal, if you just deviate away from, from normal, even just by 5%, that's probably going to seem awesome in the eyes of your customer. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it, it, you, that strategy, you can never underplay that um, because there's there's a big opportunity there, I think, in the brand framework to be able to, to do more in that area. Simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Number three, yeah. Number three. <laughs> and I think simplicity is actually a bit of a hidden brand strategy because I feel like it, there's just – there is very noisy in in any – especially in retail but, but even if you look into like even the services sector, even within – the, the industry that we play in, it's very noisy and it, it's very hard sometimes to decipher what somebody's product offering is. Mm-hmm. But how how much do you love it when you go into even a retail store and they've curated, they've just cut it back to the bare essentials of what's required. They take the decision-making process out of it. <laughs> and, and and this is the thing. We know that we're fatigued as, as customers. We're fatigued by, by what's coming at us every day. We're fatigued by how much information we have to take in. Yeah. And and really what we want is we want somebody else to help us kind of make those decisions to make it more simple for us. So that is a great strategy, I think. Yeah. I think you're seeing a lot more of that, as you say, both in the consumer goods space where you have a lot of these brands that, just do you know sell one product or a very limited um, number of products in the same sort of category and allows them i guess to to really become experts in that sort of field or deliver the best product in that case and the same with service businesses where as you say yeah like if you look at our industry where they're just doing one very specific part of it but doing it really well and and providing a lot of expertise in that area. Well, a good example, what's that brand of shoe that you wear that's got the wool on the upper? Oh, Allbirds. Allbirds, yeah. I always think that they do an awesome job of simplifying. They've just really taken a couple of products, a uh, couple of uppers and midsoles and, and worked a few styles, but just the simplicity of it, like – I don't have a lot to choose from, but I find that refreshing. Yeah. I like to go there and just know that somebody's done a great job of building a product. Yeah. They've thought through the whole thing and now they're just offering it to me simply. There's actually a lot of complexity hmm. in offering simple, yes. ironically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing it allows them to do is craft a really simple and clear brand story around it then too. You know, they don't have to communicate 50 different benefits about a bunch of different products, you know. They're all about, you know, simplicity is, is part of their brand story, but comfort and, and environmental sustainability and that sort of thing. But it is just two or three really clear points that just come through because, you know, they've, they've made it so clear and simple, I guess. Absolutely. All right. Number four, give backs. 
I think we've talked a little bit about brands with social conscience in other podcasts, but I think this is going to be an ongoing topic for years to come about how deep a brand gets in the the social conversation, how able to surface the the way that they they operate ethically and and I think you know uh, brands have a huge responsibility as well because I firmly believe that they outpace governments in many ways. I mean governments are there to kind of help regulate the environment. But I think that, you know, brands should really be taking a lead on on many of the issues. And I don't think, you know, if you've got a brand like Doritos, for example, um, who, you know, to me sometimes are the epitome of corporate America, <laughs> but they were doing like rainbow-coloured, you know, corn chips mm. um, to support the whole gay pride thing. Yep. And I think, you know, if a company like that can do it, who have been in business for a long time, they're really actually, you know, very traditional in many senses, mm. but taking a stand with the social cause. And yeah. and I think, you know, we've we've talked a lot about, you know, the brands that really stand out to us with, with social causes mm. and, and how they give back to the to the customer base that supports them as well too. And I think that's a, an important way to, to build your brand within a modern framework. Yeah, I think it's becoming more and more of an expectation, you know, from consumers. So certainly, I guess, being aware in particular of, I guess, the social landscape, particularly if there is something that aligns really well with with your brand or sort of the community that you cultivate, if there's something that they care about and you want to contribute to that, I think that really helps. Absolutely, yeah. The footnote on this as well too is like, uh, buying uh, like a goat for a Somalian family is a nice thing to do. But if you're a business lender, like for example, like that's what you, the business you're in, maybe you want to align yourself with somebody like Kiva, for example, or, mm. you know, you you want to, you know, help people out of poverty, like find something that aligns with your brand nicely. Yeah, because I think the flip side or danger potentially there is that if it's, if it's disingenuous, you know, that you're sort of seen to be potentially just piggybacking a cause for your own good, you know, yeah. that's kind of the double-edged sort of it. Yeah, but. absolutely. I think that's a good point. Well, we saw it recently with the bushfires in Australia and how, you know, some brands, you know, tried to, to do some alignment, some fast-paced alignment there mm. with – and it just came off as – Opportunistic. Op- opportunistic, yeah, and almost even a little bit insensitive. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you've got to be careful. Number five, this really goes to business model as much as it does to to brand, but cutting out the layers, like we're, we're seeing this across the board in, in a lot of different industries where, you know, the, the company is getting much closer to the customer mm-hmm. and where we're, we're taking out the layers. Back in the day, Nike would distribute through a distributor in a country that distributor would then sell it to retailers, the retailers would then sell it to the customers now you're seeing, you know, Nike being much closer and more direct in pretty much every market around the world. Um, so I think, you know, there's the that opportunity to to like, you know, cut out the layers and also in the process cut out some of the unnecessary costs that that goes into, you know, your brand as well. Yeah. So it's gr- both great from a margin standpoint, but it's probably better for the customer as well too in in, in many ways. But if you're going to be direct to a customer, you have to get good at that, that skill set as well too. There's yeah. many great wholesalers who are not great retailers <laughs> and so I think it's something that's got to be built over time. Yeah, for sure. I, this definitely for me goes hand in hand with that simplicity when we were talking about before, you know, those those simple, you know, consumer brands that are now selling directly and it feels very much, you know, we talked recently about social media but the idea that, 
essentially see a post on Instagram, hit the shop now button and you're a couple of clicks away from having that product. You know, that's so much more direct um, than it ever used to be. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, do you see much of this happening in the service industry side of things? Well, it's interesting with service, the service game because in services, you are fairly direct to customer. There's not really so much. If anything, you actually kind of see it going a little bit the other way in the services game where you're finding that there's many like white labeled agencies out there mm-hmm. and so you might be dealing with you know somebody who's front facing from another company who's then using white labeled service to deliver it so in many ways i actually see some of the services businesses going the other way mm-hmm. where they're they're using you know more traditional white label mm-hmm. yeah what are you saying out there anything interesting um no i think you're right i guess maybe if the if the service companies are specializing more or getting better at that customer service side of things and they're just then good at bringing the people together behind the scenes, you know, maybe that's still better for the customer anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I can see it going both ways. I mean, if you reframe that cutting the layers thing to be more purely about just knowing your customer better and having a more, you know, I guess empathetic relationship with them and you know, cultivating that feeling, then it probably doesn't matter as much how you get it done behind the scenes. It's it's yeah. just about delivering on that. Yeah, I mean, I think cutting the layers also could apply to, you know, d- different models in the professional services games as well too. Like you're, you're seeing more professional services firms partnering up, finding other types of services to offer you know, mm-hmm. alongside their core offering, maybe working from co-working spaces to, to keep the rent overhead down, yeah. uh, you know, looking at a, a whole range of different things like, you know, products that they can sell, which are more, almost software products. Yep. So, they're augmenting like that personalized service with, with you know, digital products as well. Yeah. I mean, you could also make the argument that especially in some more traditional industries, they're sort of, I guess, cutting the layers of formality as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. making it a lot more personable and and approachable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number six, character. Character amongst a dull landscape. (laughs) And it can be a bit dull out there at times. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, um, humans are full of character, but businesses generally across the board are not. Mm -hmm. And and therefore, you know, we we get this mismatch, I think, that, you know, um, people just, you know, can't really align with, you know, that dullness. Mm. And, And so, I think, you know, I think oftentimes the company that wants to come across as a bit dull is is going for the safe option and because that's what they've always done so by you know continuing to you know just be that steady you know well i I can't think of another word other than dull but (laughs) but but i think that's where there's a big opportunity to 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 bring character and to bring personality in and you know like we've talked a lot about this and you know that's one of the big tools you know that you know an agency or a studio has is is to inject character into a into a brand because it's always there. It's always in the people. You, you sometimes see these companies that are front facing, and and you think, "Wow, oh, man, this is going to be tough working with this client." And then it turns out that there's lots of regular cool people working behind the scenes, but they just it's just not being surfaced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, that's actually the the potential pump the brakes moment on this particular one is. I don't think that this strategy is actually for everyone and not that we're saying that all of these are for everyone, but this one yep. in particular, I think, you know, there's a bit of danger there in 
in trying to be funny or quirky, even if that's not who you are. For sure. Because um, yeah. it's it, it isn't right for every brand. Certainly, I think there's an opportunity to, as we've talked about many times, to be genuine and, and to try and let a bit more of who you are come through. But I don't think that always, I guess, involves the, the sort of character that I think that you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe what I'm trying to get at is that if you're a brand that that wants to be a bit safer and maybe a bit more straighty 180, that that you you do it in a human way mm, yeah. um, rather than kind of corporate speak. Yeah. And I think that's maybe the distinction. Yeah. Because I think you're right that not every brand should should aim for quirky. That's not what I'm saying. But but I do think that, you know, that, that human element's always got to come through. We're going to pull up stumps right there. This episode went a little longer than our normal program and we decided to split it over two podcasts. If you want to hear more on this topic, subscribe to Layers and part two will appear in your feed.